we thank you for your greatness. And Lord, as we open your word, we're going to just see more of your greatness. We're going to see why today, in the passage of scripture that you gave us, why you are so great. And so Lord, as we read your word together, as, as we let it just soak into our lives, as we seek to understand together, Lord, may our hearts continue to rejoice and say how great you truly are. We want to thank you and we praise you. And Spirit of God, we ask that you would come and speak to us through your word today. Lord, we, we don't want to hear from David. We don't want to hear from our own thoughts. We want to hear from you, Spirit of God. So speak to us through your word. Speak into our hearts and into our minds and into the core of our lives. That we may truly go from here today capturing more about your greatness and who you truly are and who we are in you. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Oh, you already are. Okay. Have you ever had uh, one of those days where you, you start something and it takes like a million times longer than you thought it was going to take? Just a simple little job. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it, you know, it escalates, doesn't it? Somehow. In the 7th century BC, a king decided to start a simple little job. He had trouble, this king, with Invaders that were coming in, tribes that were coming in to his land, stealing things. So he decided he would go and start building a wall. Let's keep them out. Let's build a wall. Well, he started building the wall, and then when he died, his son started carrying on building the wall. And the wall just carried on being built for generation after generation. Went on for about 700 years building this wall. It was a job that was supposed to just take a little time, but it just escalated. Finally, the wall was 15,000 miles long. And we know it today. It's the only wall you can see from outer space. What is it? The Great Wall of China. A simple little job. Let's just keep these invaders out. Escalated to 15,000 miles. On a smaller scale, there was another similar problem that happened when the Romans came into this country. Those Scots never did behave themselves. And they just kept coming over, so Hadrian decided, I know what I can do. Let me build a wall. It can't be 15,000 miles long because Britain is not that big. So 75 miles later, he finished Hadrian's wall. You know... There are many, many walls in our world. In 1870s, Argentina decided that they needed to build a line of trenches and watchtowers to protect Buenos Aires. Again, because people kept coming in and invading. And so they built a wall. In 1961, which wall was built in Europe? The Berlin Wall just to separate things up and to make sure East and West couldn't meet one another. Stayed there for almost 30 years. 
South Africa decided to build a 3,500 volt electric fence. They called it the snake of fire. They built that along the border with Mozambique because there was civil war in Mozambique and they didn't want it spilling over into South Africa. So let's build a wall and keep them out. So many different walls that we see. And we see them even today, don't we? What happened with the refugees as they started coming into Eastern Europe? I know. Let's build a wall. We'll keep them out so that they can't come in here and claim asylum and all these other things and therefore we don't have the problem. And so they build walls. You know, walls don't just divide us. They actually make us ill. Did you know that? After the Berlin Wall was built in 61, German psychiatrists observed that the Berlin Wall caused a lot of mental illness and stress in people's lives. Those who actually lived closer to the wall had a higher level of stress and mental illness than those who lived further away. And it was only once the wall came down that they suddenly found that people, their their mental condition that they'd lived with for almost 30 years suddenly started to dissipate and go away because they lived right next to that wall. We see walls in Israel. We see walls in Northern Ireland. We see walls everywhere we go. You can't just go where you want to go, can you? I was at the cricket. That was a bit embarrassing, but I was there at the Oval Test match. I had a ticket that let me in. So you come past these big iron gates and there's these huge guys standing there and they say, show me your ticket. So I show them the ticket. So, oh, you're in here around the other side. Now, there was a really nice pavilion in the Oval and I fancied going in the pavilion because you could get a really good view from the top. But there were even more big guys standing there and they wouldn't let me in because my ticket wasn't valid for the pavilion. I'm not a member I'm just a paying member of the public. And so there was a wall there that kept me out. We have walls too inside of ourselves, don't we? We have psychological walls. How many of you love to people watch? Come on, be honest, you're in church, we all do. We all sit there, don't we? Nothing better than sitting there with a nice cup of coffee when you've got a window in front of you and you just watch people go by. Now what do you do when you watch people go by? Okay, remember you're in church, all right? You look at them, and what do you do when you look at them? You critique them, exactly. What we do is we put them into little boxes, don't we? And sometimes we play the, uh, particularly in Harrow, you can play the, the nationality game. I wonder if I can guess where these people come from. Or... If you're really, really, really honest, you can play the score out of 10 game as to how beautiful they're really looking. Or there's so many different games that we play while we're sitting there with our cups of coffee. And if they actually happen to notice you, you kind of hide behind the menu or something, don't you? Even worse is when you try and play that game in the tube. And then suddenly you make eye contact and that's not allowed in any tube, is it? And you kind of avert your eyes because you know they're playing the same game that you're playing and they're just staring up and down the carriage. 
at different people. That's why summer is so fantastic because you can wear your sunglasses and no one can tell that you're playing the game. But we do that because we put people into boxes, don't we? We stick them effectively into walls that we make around them. We make judgments and we put them there. Well, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're carrying on a a survey through the book of Ephesians because here Paul is talking about walls. Walls that we built, walls that are human, walls that separate, walls that put us in to different boxes. Ephesians 2, verse 11, he says, Therefore, in other words, everything that's gone before, and remember what we said last time, Let's go from verse 8. He says, For it by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in light of all of that, he says, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. He says five things about what we were. He says, remember this. He says, firstly, you were separated from Christ. There was no way for you to get to Christ. Christ was out there. You were over there. There was a big wall in between you, and you couldn't get through it. You didn't have the right ticket. Just as I couldn't get into the member stand, we can't get anywhere near Christ. Just remember, as it goes back to to Genesis, what happened to Adam and Eve? They were thrown out the garden. And what did God do? He put the cherubim and the seraphim and said, you're not coming back. There's now a wall. There's a barrier between God and you. And he says, that's what we were like. We were separated from Christ. Not only that, if that's not bad enough, we were excluded from citizenship in Israel. Now, we're all citizens, aren't we? It particularly comes prevalent during the Olympics. Because we all sit there and we watch the medal table, don't we? And all the Jamaicans jump up and down when it's the 100 and 200 meters, men and women, because they know it's a foregone conclusion. All the British jump up and down when it's the 5,000 and the 10,000, because we all know that Mo Farah's going to win it, right? Nobody knows about any of the other sports at the Olympics, do we? But we're just grateful when some unknown person wins a medal and they just keep winning. But we all have these, and we all become very nationalic, national, nationalistic, don't we, during the Olympics. Oh, Great Britain are doing this, fantastic. Or Jamaica or wherever are doing this. But there are benefits, aren't there, of citizenship. When you're a citizen of somewhere, there are certain benefits that you have. I'm a Canadian citizen as well as British, so I can walk into Canada I can buy a house in Canada. I can go and get a job in Canada. I have rights in Canada. They can't throw me out. I've got a little card that says, you are a citizen of Canada. I swore allegiance to the Queen. 
And that proved it with a real Mountie standing there, all dressed in red, with a picture of a moose behind him. You know, I did that. And that gives me rights. And here it says, you know what? You, won't even, you don't even have the rights of being a citizen of Israel. Now, Israel had rights, didn't they? They're God's special people. They had a special relationship with God. There were rights. There were, there were privileges that came with that. Just as there are privileges where we have our citizenship in certain nationalities, in certain countries. There are benefits to it, but there's also an identity that comes with it that we see at the Olympics. Brazil was so grateful they won the football and beat the Germans. You know, reverse the, the shame of the, uh, of the World Cup. And they were saying, as long as they win that, because that's an identity for them. Probably the best footballing nation needs to win the football. Because there's an identity that comes with that about who they are. And we weren't even that, it says. So not only were we separated from Christ, but we also didn't have any of the benefits of being part of Israel. And not only that, it says, it goes on to say, we're also excluded from all the covenants, all the blessings of God. Now, if you read the covenants of the Old Testament, it describes all the blessings that God is going to give to his people. And through his people to the world. But it says we were excluded from all of that as well. There was a big wall that says, you guys aren't receiving any of these blessings. Deuteronomy 28, it describes all the blessings that God's going to give the people of Israel if they obey him. It's not for us. We don't get any of that. Because we're separated from God. Then it says not only that, we're without hope. Without purpose. We're just out here existing. God's there with the people of Israel doing their thing and we're just watching from a distance. We don't really have any hope. And it says, because we're without God. We don't even have the power of God working in us and through us to do anything. He says, that is what we were. That is who we are as Gentiles. But then if you've got your own Bible, underline these two words in verse 13. Because he says, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Let's show you a picture a minute. Because I think this is partly what Paul must be thinking about. Actually, have we got the pointer? Is that up the front there? or Where's the... Uh... Ronnie's got it. He's running. That's not bad. That might do the 100 meters. You could be... <laughs> Wonderful. Right, this is the temple. I don't know if you can see it very well. Right, where's the laser? Aha, I've always wanted to do this. Oh, this is awesome. I feel like a real teacher now. This is Herod's temple. This is what Paul was thinking about when he wrote this, okay? About all the walls. Now, you see this bit around the outside here. Now, this is where the Gentiles could go. Us, if we went to Herod's temple, we were limited to this bit here, right? Around the outside. So you could get through this little outer wall. We were permitted in there. But that is as far as you can go 
So you've got this huge structure in front of you that you're not allowed to enter. We couldn't go in. We could just stare at the wall. That, that was our privilege, okay? You know when Jesus, as a young boy, they think he was probably on these steps here when he was teaching with the leaders and so on and other people are gathering around. So that, that's, that's our limit. That's where we could go. Now, if you were Jewish, you weren't limited by that. You could go through the gates here, the east gate. And in here, in this bit in here, this is the temple or the courtyard for the women. So if you were Jewish, you, you could go into the outside bit here, but you could also come in here. You know when baby Jesus was there with uh, Anna and Simeon? It's probably in here. Well, it's almost certainly in here. When Jesus was teaching under these colonnades here, this is where they would be. So it would be men, women, and children. Everybody was allowed into here. Could hold about 6,000 worshippers, give you an idea of size. All right? So it's quite big. We're talking football field sizes here, right? So this is a, this is a big building. So the women are allowed in here. Now, all the offerings and everything else, they go on up here. Now, the women could look through the gate when the door was open. That was their privilege, but they were never allowed in. They were women. Only the men could go in here when they were offering the sacrifices. And in here was the altars where the priests would go and where they would offer sacrifices. So you'd bring it all in, you'd kiss your wife goodbye here, and then you'd go and you'd offer your sacrifice, and she could look through the gate and see what was going on. So there was another wall here. And then obviously this bit here is where the priests go. Only the priests were allowed in this building here. And inside there is another courtyard inside with the Holy of Holies inside of that that only the high priests could go once a year. And so where Paul is talking here about barriers, about walls, and he actually spells it out in a minute, he's talking about all these different walls that we have. The Gentiles have a wall to get into here. The Jews have a wall to get into here. The women have a wall that they can go no further. The men have a wall that they can go no further. Even the priests who go in and out of this building here, there are walls inside of there where they can go no further and only the high priest is allowed to go once a year into the final wall, into the Holy of Holies where God dwells, where the tabernacle is, where the Ten Commandments were, where God's presence was there. We'll leave that up for now. But you see how Paul describes these things. We've been separated, he says, from God. Why? Because there's all these walls that are built that are standing in our way. We can't do anything about it because we don't have the rights, the ticket to go in. But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you who were blocked from going into the very presence of God, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, verse 14, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What is he saying here? He's saying, you know what? Jesus Christ has thrown this outer wall down. There's no Jew and Gentile. There's no inner courtyard and outer courtyard anymore. That wall's gone. The two, he said, have become one. There is no them and us. There's no 
you go in there and I can only stay out here. He said, you can all come because there's no difference. He said, I've broken that down. I've destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Why? How? He says, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in him one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. So he's saying here, you know what? There is no, ga- there is no barrier now between these two. Why? Because Jesus came out here and he preached peace. And he went in here and he preached peace. And he says, you know what? By his death on the cross, by his resurrection, there's no difference now. Those walls have collapsed. They've been broken down. You're now one. There is no God looking at a Jew, God looking at a Gentile. He says, I look at you, people, people of God. You are all one. And he did that through grace, through what we talked about last time. On the cross, he broke that down. And so he's broken down every barrier in the temple. If you've got your Bibles, so turn over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Verse 26, you are all sons of God and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. What does he say? There is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. There's neither slave. Slaves weren't even allowed to come up to this bit. Slaves were banned from the temple altogether. They're not even allowed. Or free. People that can go. Male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see what he's done? Do you see what Christ has done for us? He's broken down the barrier between Jew and Gentile, between male and female, even broken down the barrier between priest and non-priest. He's broken down the barrier between God in the Holy of Holies where that temple curtain was ripped in two and the rest of us. The high priest has no job. He was made redundant that day. Because God said through Jesus Christ, through his death, his resurrection, we can all just come walking up straight into here and straight into his very presence. That's what Christ has done for you and me. So we're no longer separated from God. We're no longer far away from God. Because Jesus has destroyed every single barrier, every wall in the temple. You know what the enemy tries to do? What do you think? Put up new walls. How many churches do you know split because they put up walls? How many people do you know split from others because they put up walls? Our enemy seeks to rebuild everything that Christ has knocked down. Why? 
Because that then reverses and denies everything that the cross is. Jesus, when he was hanging on that cross, when he broke down every single barrier for you and for me, when he died and said, even the barrier between him, God, why have you forsaken me? The barrier of sin and death is broken. And the enemy goes, yeah, but I'm going to work at rebuilding. I'm going to work at putting them all back. We're not going to have one church. We'll have one church for liberals and one church for evangelicals and one church for charismatics. They can't, they can't meet together because they'll argue. We'll get them to argue over all sorts of things. We'll have one church for people that like brown carpets and one church for people that like blue carpets. You know? And, and they can't mix because we'll get them to argue. We'll have one that likes the organ and one that likes the band and we'll get them to argue because that's proper music and the other isn't really proper music. It's just kind of whatever. And we'll get them to argue. And what, what the enemy does, what we allow the enemy to do is to build walls between us. We, when we do that, we are denying what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. We're reversing what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. We're saying that our walls are more important to us. The things that we like are more important to us than everything that Jesus did on the cross. And we're allowing, we're trivializing, we're denying what Jesus cost him, what he went through to break down all these barriers. Look at the results. Look at what it says here. For through him, verse 18, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Everybody can just come in and go straight into the temple, straight into the very presence, the holiest of holy places. We sang it this morning. Holy, holy, holy. We can go into his presence with confidence, not because of ourselves, but because Christ is inviting us. Christ is bringing us in. Christ has said, the gates are open. Everybody come in. Just bring them in. You're all welcome. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, so you're no longer stuck outside here somewhere, or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. So he says, you know what? First of all, we're citizens together. We all have the same rights and privileges. Just as we're citizens of different nationalities and we have those privileges, we are citizens together of God. We are God's people, brothers and sisters. So we all have the same blessings, the same privileges. But more than that, it says we are members of God's household, verse 19. Think about the difference for a minute. I'm a citizen of this country. Correct? Correct. That gives me certain privileges. But there are limitations as well. Prince Charles is a member of the royal family. He can walk into Buckingham Palace anytime he likes. He just goes up to the front door and he says, Hi, I'm Charles. Please let me in. And they go, Oh, Charles, in you come. If I go up there and I flash around my British passport and I say, I'm a citizen, let me in. What will they do? They'll probably have my arm up my back like this and I'll be escorted off by some large police officer. 
saying, what do you think you're doing? But I'm a citizen. Yes, but you're not a member of the royal family. There is a difference. But what does God say we are? Are we citizens? Yes. Just as the members of the royal family are citizens. But what else are we? We're family. That means we can come and go anytime we want. We don't need to make an appointment. We can go into the Holy of Holies anytime we want because we're family. We have a key. Members of my family have a key to the front door. They can just come and go. You know, sometimes I go home and I think, someone's been here. And then I get a text from my son saying, oh yeah, I was just popping by, I just needed some milk or something, I don't know. You know, like, he has a key. He can come and go, do what he likes. I trust him. God trusts you and me that same way. He says, you're not only citizens, but you're members of the family. He says, you're members of the family because you've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. He says, we're, we're built there with that foundation of the Old Testament, the prophets, and the New Testament, the apostles. You see, he's saying here, let's just read to the end, build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, what happened to this temple where God resided? What happened to it? In AD 70, it was demolished. The Romans came in, knocked it down. Where is God's temple today? Here. Not here. Here. I'm part of the temple. I'm not the temple. We are the temple together. We are being built, it says, into a holy temple. You, plural, are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. His people are being built together, it says. Just think about this. To be this. To be the living temple of God. Remember in the wilderness where you saw the Shekinah glory, the the fire of God coming down? That's what we're being built into. You and me, together. We, together, are being built. Isn't that incredible? We're being built into God's temple. God has said, I don't want any more physical temples on earth. I'm going to have a living temple where his presence, his spirit is going to dwell. And that living temple is not me, David. And it's not you, Tim. You know, or you, your land. We are part of the temple. We are the temple together. Paul, uh, Peter describes it in 1 Peter 2.9 as being living stones, doesn't he? With Christ being the, the capstone, the key one. We're being built together as living stones. Joined together. 
built on the foundation of the Old Testament and the New Testament on the Scriptures, with Christ holding it all together as the cornerstone, he says. The building is us where His Spirit, where God dwells by His Spirit. You know what that means for us? That means we've got no excuses. You can't say to God, well, I'm not really ready to be part of this temple. Because when you're a stone, what rights does the stone have over the builder? The builder there goes along to the quarry and he says, I want that stone and I want that stone and I want that stone because those are the ones I like to, to fit into what I'm building. The stone doesn't cry out and say, yeah, but I, I'm not quite ready yet to be, to be part of your building. Thank you very much, but I don't think I'm quite beautiful enough quite yet. I need a little bit more work on me. Uh, so if you just leave me here, that would be fantastic. The stonemason or the builder doesn't go like that. It goes, no, that's the stone. That's the one I want. That's the one I know where it's going to go. I've got the place for it already. This is where I want it to be. The stone doesn't say, well, you know what? I I don't want to really be placed next to that stone. I I much prefer that stone over there. I'll sit over here next to this one because I'm kind of friendly with that stone. But that stone over there, they're kind of hard to get on with. No, the builder places the stone exactly where the builder wants the stone to be. Because the builder has the whole picture in his head or her head. They know how it all fits together. They see the big thing. So the stone can't say to the builder, well, no, 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 you, you can use me, but just not, not here. Thank you very much. I don't really want to be here. Or... The stone can't say, well, you know what? I don't mind being a kind of a decorative stone, but I don't want to be a stone as part of a pillar because there's kind of a lot of weight on top of me and I don't like that. Stones can't do that, can they? The builder says, this one's going to be part of the pillar and this one's going to be a nice one to look at and this one's going to fulfill this role as part of an outside wall and this one's going to be part of the inside wall. The builder decides where those stones go, not the stones themselves. You see, God has chosen you to be part of his temple. The only choice you have in this arrangement is to say, I am willing to be part of the temple or I don't want to be chosen. He gives you that choice. But if he chooses you, if you say, Lord, I want to follow you. I'm willing to be chosen by you. I know you're choosing me and I'm going to say yes to you. You need to allow him to place you and to use you any way he wants to. He's the builder. You are the living stone. He has the whole picture of the temple in his head. And he knows how it's all going to fit together and how beautiful it's going to be when it's done. You don't, and I don't. All we can do is say, Lord, here I am. Use me. You need to be available. You need to be willing. And when he places you somewhere, you need to love 
the other parts of the building that you can see around you. Because this is God's building. It costs Jesus his life to use us as stones in his temple. So what right have we got to start picking and choosing and saying, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm not going to do, this is this and this is that. He says, just let me take you and mold you and place you. And when I've placed you there, I'm going to hone you into the most beautiful stone that will be part of my living temple. You know, Trinity is part of the temple of God. We together are part of God's temple. Isn't that incredible? Because it's not down to us. None of us feel worthy. None of us feel like we deserve to be, do you? If you do, you've got a pride problem. None of us do. But God, in his love for us, says, I'm going to choose you, you, and you, and you to be my temple, to be that building that shines. You know, there's four columns there. And every night they would light them and they would shine out as beacons across the land. God wants us to be just that. His beacon, his place where his glory fills, where we shine out, where we are placed and used and honed by him into his temple. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. Can I ask all of you to to come down the front as we close? Let me move this out of the way. Let's get into a circle here. Showered. Come on. I want you I want you to take a good good look at one another. Okay, can we get Pam in the yeah, get Pam in the circle there. Take a good look at each other, right? Because these are the stones that God has chosen. Kind of a crazy mix of people, isn't it? Right? It's really amazing, isn't it? Like we come from different backgrounds, so many different countries, different experiences. We have different gifts and abilities with different ages. Some of us have lots of hair, some of us don't have any hair. You know, some of us feel good about ourselves and some of us struggle. Some of us think we're well gifted and we can take on the world and others think, what have I got to offer? And yet God has chosen you, each one of you, to be part of his temple. And he's building us together as that temple. Because he sees something inside of us 
He sees us and he said, I want you. I don't want the person next to you. I don't want, you know, I don't want, to, I don't want other people. I want you to be my living temple. I want you to grow together with these other people so that my glory can shine, so that my spirit can flow down, so that my light can shine out into the community, so that everybody who lives around can see the presence of God. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing in us and through us together. Take a good look at these people. You, you have permission to people gaze right now, right? Isn't it incredible? It just blows my mind that God would choose us, random us, to be built into his temple. That's why I told you we sing how great is our God. Because he sees things that we can't see. He understands things that we can't understand. And he has the power to accomplish what he starts. It took him 700 years to build that wall. But God is accomplishing his temple. He is building his temple. Here at Trinity, but right across our world. So that his glory will shine. Like it did for the people of Israel throughout the wilderness as it did for them when they built that human temple and God rested in it and as he's building this living temple together. Lord, we want to thank you because how great you are. Lord, we don't deserve to be part of your temple, which I'm thankful for because it's nothing to do with us. It's all to do with you. You have chosen us to be living stones in your temple. There is no division. It doesn't matter what age we are, whether we're male or female, whether we're a baby or 105 years of age. It doesn't matter our bank account. It doesn't matter our nationality. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't even matter our sexual orientation or any other kind of barrier that we put in these things in humanity. What matters is that you have chosen us. Lord, help us to love one another, to recognize that we are all living stones and that you are uniting us together and building your temple. Build it, Lord. And may we be used by you however you want us to, to bring you glory and honor. Lord, I thank you that we're not just citizens. We are family. Family of God. We have the key and access to you 24-7. We can come and go. And you fill us with your presence and with your spirit to enable us to be the people you call us to be. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. And we just are in awe of you how great you are. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for one another, for those on our left, those on our right. We thank you for them. Bless them, Lord. Use them for your glory. Be with them this week, whatever they face, challenges and joys, struggles and victories. 
be in the midst of all of it, Lord, of life's mess. And may your glory shine throughout everything that we accomplish, everything that we are, everything that we do this week. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you.